0: This is a headgum podcast.
1: Yay, hello, welcome to Enemies. This is Lisa Traeger, your host. Thanks for listening. I am in Finland. Yes, bitches. I'm in an non heated up sauna. Recording on my phone. So if this sounds weird, get the fuck over it. We're trying our best here. Did I order two adapters on Amazon? Yes. Did they arrive? Yes. Did I leave them back in LA? Absolutely. Um, So (laughs) shit happens and we roll with the punches. Um, But honestly, like I'm having the time of my life. I'm out here filming a show called The World According to Comedians. I'm here with a comedian from South Africa and one from India. So Aditi and Toomey. And we, you know, obviously I was nervous. Will we get along? What's happening? Will the Finnish people hate us? We look different. Good for us. Finland doesn't care. (laughs) No one's looking at us in any way. But I'm having the fucking time of my life. And I feel so lucky to be here. I'm at a sauna resort. And um, yeah, I'm by a hot tub yesterday while drinking this cool drink and looking at like, you truly feel like you're in a postcard at all times. And there's an incredible crew here. And I went fishing today, like with fishermen and on a little fucking boat and we pulled nets up and I fucking stabbed a fish in its neck and bled it out, (laughs) which um, felt weird. Uh, What was weirder is when the man was like knocking the fish senseless with a wooden, you know, a thick stick, a dick-sized stick. Um, Very upsetting for sure. But, you know, Now I'm eating smoked salmon. It's delicious. So sometimes you got to knock a fish senseless if you want delicious, delicious treats. Obviously, you know, I love to chat. I love to do everything, but I'm tits out, dripping wet. And I got to go eat, get dressed for the camera, honey. I'm shooting 13 hour days. And that's what people don't realize when like you see TV and movies, like obviously the actors or like the talent or whoever is there is doing a lot, but whole crew someone holding a boom microphone on top of their head all day long. That's insane. People shooting, people flying drones around, people doing so much. And it's like really incredible to be here. And I'm learning so much about the rest of the world. And one of my biggest takeaways so far, I mean, I've only been here for a few days, is, I mean, I'm so annoyed with This idea in the states of comics being like, canceled, cancel culture, cancel. It's like, you don't even fucking know what that means and the privilege we have in the United States of America. Like, fuck all the incel idiot comics who think they are being canceled in any way. Go fuck yourselves. Like, legit, Aditi, like, a man didn't like her joke and the police called her the next day and she had to go into the station and she could have had to serve up to three years in prison. Because a man didn't like a joke. She did another joke once, like on a roast battle, six people complained and the government took away her passport for a year and a half. Okay. Do you understand? That's a real thing. In South Africa, you have to go to court, if you speak about something, you need escorts to your fucking car because people are threatening gang rape on you. Women around the world cannot say shit and are actually getting canceled by the fucking government. And so the idea that because you lost a sponsorship or a club won't book you and you're crying and pretending you're a victim when you can say whatever the fuck you want is, I just ignorance ignorance and that's what's crazy about all these comedians it's like you're supposed to be knowledgeable like non-ignorant that's the whole point about being a comedian is being like insightful and smart and open-minded enough to understand what's happening around you and be able to like share it with other people if you're fucking that stupid that you think that you're being persecuted for your fucking jokes you're an idiot how are you even in this profession It's appalling to me and I'm learning so much and I'm so thrilled to be able to meet people and get enraged again and again about these fucking white dude piece of shit comics that I've had to deal with for years thinking that they're being persecuted in some way while legit women around the world trying to do stand up and do jokes and be (laughs) badass and saying things are like getting their passport taken away. Getting money taken out of their pocket. Like these motherfuckers don't even know and they'll never know. They'll just keep getting their dick sucked and chuckle fucks all over the country, screaming on their podcasts about how they can't say what they want. Appalling behavior, but we're going to learn a lot. I am like so honored beyond belief for this guest. If you are someone who knows about Emily Post, it is an etiquette touchstone. I've talked to a friend and a listener, Ingrid. She said that she actually like gives the Emily Post books as gifts often. And it was, yeah, just a way for etiquette. And I'm learning a lot because I think some of you might be like, oh, well, that's exclusionary and snobby and du- Luanne de like, I don't know. And here, so I'm going to tell you who the guest is. So Emily Post's great, great granddaughter, she'll explain exactly how many greats there are like, okay. And her cousin, like honestly, Emily Post is a real person. And we're speaking to a woman named Lizzie Post, who is a descendant of Emily Post and has continued in advancing, adapting, moving with the times in terms of etiquette and really helped me understand that it's not an exclusionary, like snobby thing, but it's actually a set of like codes and, you know, suggestions on how to behave so people do feel included and respected. And it's about honesty and cool stuff. And you guys are going to love this. This is one of my favorite episodes. And I, I feel like I say this every week, but I couldn't believe that just a cold call DM on Instagram got me a descendant of fucking etiquette. Are you kidding? Love that. So this is Lizzie Post. She has her own podcast. She also... I wasn't in a sauna in Finland. I would fucking tell you what it was called. And she also has a book called Higher Etiquette about cannabis weed. It was such an insightful, amazing, honest, vulnerable, cool chat. And I'm so fucking grateful. And um, also, I've noticed a lot of people in Finland, they go, good, good. Good, good. So, good, good, everyone. And enjoy this episode with Lizzie Post. (laughs) Lizzie, what an honor. Emily Post, a very um, prominent brand name in etiquette. Is there even a
0: competitor? I'm sure there are. I'm really grateful to be able to say that we're America's go-to source for etiquette. So it's fun. But yeah. there are a lot of interesting etiquette experts out there.
1: <laughs> so I did put on the Instagram, hit me up if you guys have any questions Yay! for the etiquette expert. And a f- couple people no if I, we're like, well, who are you? Like, who are you to tell people how to act? So what is the background of becoming um, like an etiquette expert and telling people how to act?
0: Typically, I think of myself as an etiquette author because there aren't any real like courses on it's not like you go to a particular college or grad program or something like that for it so i find the expertise a little hard to get behind but um our particular brand of etiquette emily post etiquette uh was started by my great great grandmother when she was uh just just turned 50 back in 1922 she was a writer and author at the time and etiquette seemed like a good subject matter fit for her and to make a much longer story very short She ended up writing this book that became a a really influential book. It was one of those that became an instant bestseller, um, was reprinted numerous times. Actually, this fall, we are printing the 20th edition of it. So it's been updated about every five years since Emily got started in 1950. And, you know, you can you can take our etiquette or you can leave it. There is no like, oh, we are the, you know, like the etiquette police or something like that. A lot of our etiquette is founded in the principles of consideration, respect, and honesty. And I think having that thread kind of as an undercurrent to everything that we talk about really helps it to be accessible, to be something that... You can tweak and make work for your own situation, and I think that that's one of the things that's kept this particular brand going for a hundred years now.
1: <laughs> no, it's incredible. I just I had to write consideration, respect, and honesty. That is like so beautiful. You like it? But <laughs> I do. But you know, with honesty, mm-hmm. sometimes that isn't respectful. I guess you know, like Very what true. is the line?
0: <laughs> I think one of the hard things along with each of these three things is that what might sound respectful to someone might not be respectful to someone else. What might um, sound honest doesn't always come out as a benevolent truth. It can often come out as a brutal honesty. I think that there's a a lot of play within these very good, very encouraging, very Pollyanna words that we have to work with that actually uh, allows us to dig deeper and really ask some great questions and some really hard questions about how we're choosing to interact with each other. But for the most part, when you are really trying to be aware of the people that are around you and your impact on them, as well as their impact on you, um, when you're able to look at those around you, whether you agree with them or not, and say, you have value and worth and existence here and and i plan to recognize that that recognition is respect even if you're not agreeing if you're not picking sides like that has nothing to do with it just acknowledging that this other person deserves to be heard deserves uh your best composure when you're speaking with them that can go a really long way even when there are differences at heart but then honesty being able to build trust with people um i think that's that's one of the biggest parts of it it's one of the keys if you're you know y- you can be polite and it does not come across as genuine <laughs> you know what i mean like there is politeness for the sake of politeness which i don't think lasts very long but there's um there's a real amazing bond that forms between people when they feel like they're being treated um, with a sense of honesty, a sense of people being genuine and we can really build trust with one another when we have that you're not gonna get it right every single time it's not always gonna work apologies are wonderful things to get really comfortable at issuing and like understanding um but for the most part when we look at those three principles and we try to guide our actions um in that way it, it more more times than not you're gonna you're gonna succeed. You're going to have an interaction that feels smooth and not awkward or that, you know, respects and honors the people around you. Wow. that's. I could keep going, by the way. You got to like interrupt me or shut me up. No, not at all.
1: (laughs) I'm here to kind of uh, learn and listen. But I I am interested in the lineage of your family, though. Did you grow up with those principles? Was there extra etiquette in your home? And (laughs) did it skip a generation or have all of you been part of this post- so life.
0: Pretty much, I think all of us have been part of the post life. Uh, Emily's son actually worked with her. Uh, and in 1946, together, uh, they incorporated the Emily Post Institute. And that's the business that I run today. And uh, her, his son, my grandfather, then also ran the business with his wife, Libby Post, Elizabeth Post, who I was named after. And then my dad's generation, my aunt Peggy, my father, and my aunt Cindy all joined. And even my uncle, Billy, who's a lawyer, like would do some seminars sometimes, which is kind of cool. Um, and then my generation joined and it was my sister, my cousin and I of my generation. And then, um, what, or me, and then what ended up happening was my sister uh, left to do a different job and my cousin and I run it. And now the fourth generation is totally out. It's just the fifth generation, my cousin, Daniel and I uh, running the institute together.
1: That's incredible. Now, in family parties, though, when you, I mean, I'm assuming you guys have yelled, screamed, not oh, oh. followed the principles.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, most so definitely. So,
1: <laughs> do you guys sometimes go like, "That's not what our family is about"? Or... I
0: wish. Um, no, we're actually really good about not like holding out the etiquette police card to each other, you know, and like um, really making that an issue between either of us, but. I do think that it happened. I mean, I distinctly remember one day at the office, my mother and my cousin, Dan, were on one side of how to hold your utensils and how to use your utensils when it comes to just using it to like scoop food, not to like actually cut. So when you've just got one implement in your hand and my dad and I were like, no, no, you can totally like flip it in your left hand. You don't always have to do the transfer and they're going, no, 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 you have to do it this way. And this would be the European way, but you're doing a hybrid of European and American. You can't do that. It's like, who's saying I can't do it? Well, it looks really awkward. I don't think it looks that awkward. You look awkward. You know, it's like it evolved into that. And you're like, this is hysterical. I'm, I'm glad no one else can see this. I love telling people that it actually happens, but like, it is really funny when we get stuck on something, but harder is when there are real issues at hand and no, everyone's behavior is not always perfect just because you work in the world of etiquette. Um, it's really easy to be impatient with people. It's really easy to be dismissive of people or just like any other business. And, um, I'm really grateful to work with my cousin because he and I, I think both try really hard to respect each other and the differences in our lives. He's like, Married lives on a remote mountain with 3 kids and I'm like single live in town with like a house to myself like we have different demands on us you know and like when we can access and do stuff for work and and when life has to get in the way is just really different for the two of us and so I'm always incredibly grateful that despite that difference I know I feel really respected in our working relationship and I I certainly hope he does too, but I won't try to speak for him. (laughs) And are there any things
1: that are um, super outdated? Like that are in the first edition that are totally not in the 20th edition.
0: Oh, yeah. Like chaperones. Just I mean, I know that like in some (laughs) subcultures in America, chaperones are like still a thing. But um, for the most part, like no, uh, no American women I know have gone on dates with chaperones, you know, like past the age of like 14. So I feel like that's that's something that's really disappeared. Um, Gosh, what's another thing? We don't really talk as much about things like, uh, debutante balls. And even though afternoon tea is in the next edition of Emily post etiquette, it's definitely not the way Emily was experiencing afternoon tea as a girl in the Gilded age, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's definitely like have a friend over for a cup or put together a tea because that seems like the right, thing for the event. I know for like some baby showers or wedding showers, people will still have like an afternoon tea, but it's just so different from her, her day. It's like a whole different ballgame.
1: Well, yeah, they probably had more time to follow rules and like yes. value these things. Like people are just busier and yeah. out and
0: about. Like they had no can't... Instagram to scroll through. So it was like there were hours to fill, you know?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> So I'll ask some personal questions first okay. um, that I would it. need some help with, and then we can get to Instagram stuff and like kind of, and
0: I know that you're doing a lot of weed stuff, correct? Yes, we did higher, higher etiquette a couple years ago. has been a really fun book, um, Really nice to have like two of my passions come together that I never thought would really get time and space together.
1: Um, so yeah. it's really fun. <laughs> and, and what I mean, are we talking like puff, puff,
0: pass type um, got it. stuff? and OK, <laughs> absolutely. Abs- puff, puff, pass. And also exploring weed as a legalized culture. There's just so much more to engage with. And there are also a lot of really good conversations around how do you how do you talk about this when you're maybe a parent who's nervous about other parents who smoke weed or consume at the house? You know, how do you talk about it when it's your private medical life? Um, so there were a lot of questions I think that legalization raises, and it was really, really fun to to dip into it. It's best research of my life. <laughs>
1: well, no, it's totally because, you know, my friends who all have children, they would definitely drink a beer at a kid's yep. party, totally. but they would never s- spark a joint at a kid's party. We're hiding the totally. weed. We're hiding our smoking, but it, it, we're in L.A. It's like totally as legal as alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wonder when that will change or if it'll change or the connotation with just like the smoking element of it all. I think like, that's I a big know. one
0: with a lot of people. This The actual smoking of it is like the smoke is the thing for a lot of people. But, um, you know, there are lots of other ways to consume cannabis these days. And I think it gets really interesting when people feel like they should be able to ask someone like, well, Do you, you know, do you do pot? (laughs) Do you, you know, are you getting high? But they're not concerned at all with whether someone is on like serious prescription drugs for some, you know what I mean? It's like, I think sometimes we have to remember like what, what it might sound like if we step back a bit and really look at what we're asking when we try to talk about this stuff sometimes. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's
1: prying and judgy. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like such old school stuff. Um, what happens if you have a friend and they're always the one bringing the weed and you are partaking, but you don't want to feel like you're using them. Um, but I do have certain friends where Frank, a former guest, but he's always has weed when we're out doing comedy and I usually smoke weed with him. And is that rude that I'm, you know, I, when I have weed, I'm always like, guess what? I have some today. Like I brought it. I remembered but that it, sounds what, great. It, what like, is I mean, the vibe of that?
0: I What I what I hear in that is um, a I hear your gratitude for what Frank provides regularly and that you're recognizing that he he does something that you partake in and that you don't always have it right there to kind of reciprocate the favor. Um, But I also hear you trying when you do have a chance and I bet he hears that too. So like when you do have weed and you're like, Oh wait, I've actually got some on me today. Like, I'm so glad I get to smoke you up. I think that would warm any friend's heart and just like, make it clear that you are aware and you're, you're trying to balance it out. But also it doesn't sound like he's the type of person that needs you to balance it out either. If he keeps offering each time. And that's also a lovely thing to like notice in that exchange. That is beautiful. Um, (laughs) The beauty of weed etiquette.
1: (laughs) Something I hate. Yeah. is um, people lighting stuff for me. It makes me uncomfortable. Oh, okay. And I, that does seem like the polite thing to do. And men especially are always like putting a lighter to me to light Chivalrous. it. Chivalrous. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. And they, of course, take it personally. I have to explain it's not. It's just like, I don't know what it is. I don't really have like some traumatic story to... Not like your bangs lit through. on fire one day or something. <laughs> it just makes me uncomfortable that close yeah. to my face lighting it. I don't like the pressure. What if I don't light it on t- I just like to do it on my own. Um, If someone is offering an etiquette type, nice
0: thing like that, and you say, no, that's okay.
1: That's fine. Right?
0: Absolutely. And even if someone's making a courtesy gesture, you can say, oh, you know what? I have a thing about lighting my own joints or lighting my own blunts, whatever my own bowls, whatever it is. And I think anyone who's really coming at courteous gestures with a sense of wanting to be thoughtful and respectful to other people should take that that decline that you've just done and, and run with it and be like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, like uh, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. If anyone of any gender declines a courteous action, whether it's a holding of a door or a chair or a coat, any of these things, it's okay for someone to decline them. And it's okay for the other person to just say, okay, cool. Like that's, you know, like, it's the trying that I think is thoughtful. It doesn't have to be a completed act for you to get the courtesy point. In fact, if you tried to force it on someone, now it's like rude.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a big issue, um, especially in New York. The the energy, there was a lot of cheek kissing oh, and yeah. I don't like that. And multiple times with multiple men, I communicated that and they got so offended, defensive, and came at me in a way that was like, I just don't want you in my (laughs) fucking... One time someone mispronounced my name and yet kissed Uh. me on my cheek, and it's like, you don't even know me. You're like, that's
0: a double whammy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: like, why do you think you should be there? But um, so defensive. So I like what you said where it's like, if it is true courtesy, it should be kind of welcomed if someone says no. And then if it's not, there's obviously something else to it if you're not like... yeah just accepting a no.
0: The courtesy should come from checking in about the known courtesy, not from, like I said, yeah, not from the act being completed, but the huggers are another one, man. I remember when I was on the research trip for higher etiquette, I was out in Portland, Oregon and this guy, we were kind of like at a club and this guy, came up to me and he did look really, really friendly. He's got his arms outstretched and I'm I'm there like in a business capacity. So I reach out for a handshake and he like bats it away and goes, I'm a hugger. And the next thing I know is like I'm enveloped like my entire body and it just, it it was surprising, and I was surprised that someone actually like blasted through my block of a handshake. That was uncomfortable, and I think that we've really got to watch it on the hugging and the kissing when we're not sure if someone else is ready to receive those things. And if you see a hand come at you for a handshake, you take that handshake. That is like the that is the polite go to move there. It is not no. Let me grab your hand and pull you in for the kiss on the cheek. Like uh uh-uh. uh. Like we well we-
1: a lot of questions I got, and I think this is probably COVID influenced was like, some people don't even want a handshake anymore. I know. know, Like I, I, some people just are not into touching. Is that going to be a new foray to like kind of conquer in terms of etiquette of like post
0: COVID world? Well, we've always dealt with it, right? There are certain, certain cultures don't, don't do handshakes sometimes between different genders, sometimes just a handshake isn't what they do. And so refusing a handshake and, and sometimes refusing it because like, I remember my mom sprained her wrist. And even though she didn't have a cast or anything, she had to tell people like, I'm not shaking hands right now. We've had to deal with this before, and so we're just going to lean on the etiquette from those experiences and say, listen, if you're not shaking hands because of COVID, that's fine if that's what you need to feel safe right now. Just communicate that to someone so that they understand that this really common gesture of welcome and greeting and respect and and even deal-making isn't being blown off, but instead you're recognizing that you're not going to participate in the gesture, but you are still so happy to meet this person, excited about the deal, respectful of them. It's really important that you get that through, even though you're not going to engage in an actual handshake, which communicates a lot of those things.
1: Yeah. I think all of this is just like, everyone's so self-focused that everyone yes. t- makes everything <laughs> personal. Yes. And that's been kind of a journey for me where um, I had kind of a weird interaction with someone that I love a lot yesterday. And I had okay. to constantly remind myself, it's not about me. It's not mm-hmm. personal. It's what they're going through. Do not be pressed. Do not mm-hmm. focus on it. Just let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we do take all these things personal. And I bet no one, you know, not no one, but oftentimes no one gives a
0: shit. Yes. No, I think that's really true, too. There's a lot, a, a lot of sort of, um, uh, really being hyper aware of little things that other people are doing. I don't know if it's because we've been in our own little bubbles for a good two years. And now as we interact with other people, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't notice that they do that. Or, oh, wow. Whether it's like run on talking or interrupting people a lot or not being able to follow a conversation. There's a lot of adjusting to um, higher volume of socializing again, that all of us are going to be doing. there's going to be little, little weird things are going (laughs) to happen. I feel like.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up interrupting that I've um, I interrupt all the time. Okay. Um, and that was one of the Instagram um, questions. OK, um, so this person was asking, how do I not interrupt a lot? I've been an interrupter. Also, I get annoyed when people have interrupted me. I've been on both sides because some of my friends are interrupters. I had Daniel Byer Jackson on and she's a female friendship coach. Okay, and we talked interrupting as well in terms of friendship, and she brought up like a lot of it is cultural mm-hmm. and how you communicate, how you grow up communicating. In some cultures, like that's what you do—you interrupt each other. Um, what are your thoughts on interrupting and cultural stuff? And is it this big offense? Because I have one friend who like so pissed. One of our friends interrupts, and <laughs> it's like get over it. In terms of all of our human qualities, like it's you know yeah, it's annoying. It's annoying, but like does it make her a bad person? Absolutely not. So like, mm-hmm. what are is it rude to interrupt? Is it cultural? And like, yeah, is it something that people should be working on?
0: I think that, well, we can always be working on our listening skills, no matter what. But I do feel like certain dynamics, like my sister and I can have conversations where like, you know, half of the stuff isn't even being said. It's like, you're just reading each other's mind, finishing off sentences, that kind of stuff. And I know I cannot behave that way with other people or in certain circumstances. Um, I have certain friends who I know I've got to just sit patiently and wait for the whole story to come out because they actually will answer all the questions that are popping up in my head. If I just let them keep talking, you know, and I have other people that, you know, I'm really close with and you, you are going to be asking questions as you go and getting caught up in the story, you know, Um, it's, it's all a little bit about your rapport with the other person and how you two function when it's not working well, I think it's worth paying attention to. And just the same way that we might recognize that someone comes from a culture or even just a family of people who tend to interrupt and finish each other's sentences and predict what the thing is going to be said and stuff like that. Um, I think that there's also folks who really need the time to be able to think as they're trying to communicate and that you want to find that balance when you're with someone between supporting the ways that they communicate as best you can and being a good participant. And I think that good listening skills really come in handy here. Those are things like um, giving someone your attention with your face. So you're not like looking over to the side. You're not looking at your phone, but you're actually paying attention to them. Um, that's a, a really good way that you can also gauge um how interested someone is in what you're saying too, I'm just on the other end of it. But I think that we also want to show that we're invested. So as somebody's talking, it's okay to give little encouraging words like like, oh, I so know, or oh, I'm with you, or I totally get that, without breaking into a full explanation of why you get that thing or why you relate to that thing, let them keep talking and finishing their story. You can ask follow-up questions. You can, um, de- you can certainly say something about how your life relates to that, but you don't want it to so turn the conversation that all of a sudden it's not about whatever the person was talking about. And now it's your story. Um, but it, I think you've got to try to find this balance between the good listener and the experience that, you know, you can have with someone that you trust when you're going back and forth fast. And it, it kind of to someone else could sound like a whole lot of interrupting and predicting.
1: Yeah, I really like what you mentioned about the eye contact and all of that. Yeah. And that reminded me I'm in L.A. Uh, okay.
0: Where are you, by the way? I'm in Burlington, Vermont. So way up north, almost the in best. Canada. You've been you've been I've performed at the comedy club there Yay! a few times. I've i love been the comedy it there. club there a
1: few times. <laughs> I love a maple creamy on it's, the
0: boardwalk. We are famous for those, yes.
1: <laughs> Delicious and just like such a quaint area, such a beautiful walk. I love just eating a lobster roll on oh, we- totally. looking at the boats. Like it is such a great place.
0: Nice. Well, you've got to come back and give me a buzz.
1: <laughs> oh, I, oh my gosh. But in L.A., mm-hmm. And New York, whatever. I'm in like showbiz, right? And people are gross. Like people want to (laughs) network. People are excited by famous people. I get excited by famous people. But then there's some people that pretend they're not excited, but they will ditch you in a second to talk. Or like, I've had experiences where it's like someone I hang out with all the time and then they are truly ignoring me. And then I look and I go, oh, you're trying to get attention from this famous person. Yeah. And just networking in general kind of is a term grosses me out. And then I know that other businesses, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to this networking event and I'm here to network. And that is totally acceptable. Here. Yeah. <laughs> but in comedy, like I'm like, like networking is like kind of a gross, like connotation. So okay. I think um, certain comic or creative people. But then also, is it something you do? Like, I don't know. What are the... I don't even know if there's like a full question, like how do you not get grossed out <laughs> when someone, I think it's the honesty, honest, I think it's that honesty um, tenet, because if someone is exciting in the room, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited they're here.
0: And yeah, there's yeah, a little yeah. bit of
1: vulnerability, so then I don't have to, but I hate when I'm in a convo and you can see someone's eyes looking above like, you.
0: Looking around the room, yeah, and yeah, yeah.
1: Recently it happened at this big event, but this person is probably one of the most powerful people in our industry. Okay, okay. And so when he was looking around, when I just said hi to him, to me, I go, people are trying to get to you. Who are you yeah, looking yeah. for? <laughs> who are you looking for, bro? I'm
0: like, like, be I, in this moment for two seconds with me two now, seconds. please. Just two was, seconds and then go to your room, you know? It was not <laughs> like, even
1: a full hello. And I was like, I would just ask how your kids, and I went, I go, why don't you go have fun? Like, I don't really need this. But it was this thing of like, you're mm-hmm. the one everyone's wanting to talk to. I know yeah. who you are. And so to me, it's also like, who can you even be looking for? I don't know, the yeah. eye contact, the, um, the getting to someone else, the networking, mm-hmm. like what is the line of like sliminess versus being realistic and like working on your business in some sense, or just being a social
0: climber? I feel like it helps to know what event you're attending. So like you said, some people go to networking events. That's an event where it is perfectly okay to have goals about meeting a certain number of people, meeting specific people. Um, You don't want to push your goals so hard that you're really losing your good business etiquette skills, right? So I think that... um, being incredibly dismissive of people would be in that category of pushing your goals so far that you are being rude to people. And I think that that's really important to recognize. But I also think that like you, I think honesty can be really refreshing here. And just saying to, let's say you brought a friend to this event with you, making it clear to that friend, hey, listen, I'm really here to meet these five people tonight that's going to be my main goal like you're you're going to see me operating in a way trying to get to that like i don't want to be rude but if i get a chance sometimes i might need to say hey i'll be right back and just letting the people that you're with know what your goals are so that you don't they don't feel like they're abandoned or they don't feel like Your attention is elsewhere in a way that they have to question. Instead, they know what's going on. I think that can be incredibly helpful. And that would carry over into more of a social situation where something could turn into an opportunity, right? Whether it's a dinner party, whether it's a I don't know if people are still throwing cocktail parties, but cocktail party, like, you know what I mean? It's, maybe it's one of those afternoon teas, <laughs> um, but no, it's really important to recognize if you're going to be flipping that switch into business mode and really being on and really trying to hit some marks that you communicate that to the people that you're with. In terms of what you experienced though, I feel like like when when you're saying hi to someone and they're looking around, like... You can't always change someone else's rude behavior. It's really tough to point it out to someone, I think, in an effective way that will move you forward positively. I think often that just divulges into like, oh, screw you, you know, like, and it's just not not worth it. Um, But I do think recognizing, okay, you're you're not having a moment where you're focused on me, so I'm not going to try to pitch you my thing or introduce myself in a way that I'm going to expect to be remembered or anything like that from from a you networking standpoint. Um, I say like, kind of just under like recognize what's going on with the situation and don't expect a lot out of it when that happens. And to the other people in that situation, I say, be better, like focus (laughs) on the people that you are with when you are meeting and greeting people, it can feel really distracting. You might have a lot of people trying to get your attention, but when you actually have someone standing there in front of you, you give that person your attention, you give them your eye contact. Um, Even if it's just to say, hi, I'm so sorry, you're going to have to excuse me. Like that would be so much better than hi. And like you said, looking above you, looking around, like not paying any attention to the hand you're shaking.
1: Because it's definitely overwhelming, because especially in a bustling yeah. place like a comedy club, I do find myself like looking because I am distracted. Yeah. Um, but I always tell I always try to be like, oh, I'm just like, I want to I do want to see who's here. like I am. Yeah, someone yeah. That, like, I want to <laughs> take it all in. I like to know everything. I am someone. Yeah, I want to know everything about everyone. So yeah. I am kind of paying attention. How do you deal with social climbers? I've recently became privy to a friend's behavior where it clicked mm-hmm. and I go, oh, you're using me. You're using these people, or like you're over inflating certain relationships that aren't real. I don't know. Like, yep. Yep.
0: The social climbiness of it all. I feel it's like. Kind of gross. What is like, what do you even do? I feel like disengaging or not, not, it's not like not giving someone what they want, but it's definitely, I think recognizing for yourself that this this person isn't here for you. They're not here for a genuine relationship with you. And once you've been able to clearly identify that, it's up to you whether you confront the issue or whether just like in other social situations, you know, you just say no to the invitations because you're not, no, I'm, I'm not going to go to that party or no, I'm not going to do this thing with you. I'm not interested in that. And I think after a few no's, most people get the hint that, you know, okay, this is not a social friendship that's going anywhere. There's another group of people out there who are really comfortable with confrontation and would be a lot more comfortable saying, hey, I got to be really honest. We get together and it feels like you're just using me for my connections. And I really, I I liked you when we met and I wanted to hang out with you, but I didn't want every single time to feel like it was benefiting your you know, social status or your business or something like that. And if you want to hang out as friends, I want to hang out as friends, but I don't want to do stuff where you're only saying yes to the invites that are getting you a plus one ticket to something.
1: And how do you be a good plus one? Oh, good question. Thank you. (laughs) This was a more professional thing. Sometimes I bring, I've I've made the mistake where my plus one or a friend that comes to a thing doesn't realize that mm. it is a work function for me. Yep. And this performance means a lot. And I've worked a long time and they're just like wanting to party. And I had to be like, I can't give you the attention you want and you need to leave. Like you do not understand what's happening here. Um, I've also been in a thing where I needed a plus one. I didn't do a really good job at, an, at a job. okay. And I needed a plus one that was gonna like pump me up. Yeah. And I, they... <laughs> they did not see themselves as that plus one that I needed. But that was my expectations and I made them maybe I, the wrong person or I wasn't see. clear communicating. But also sometimes it's like, I need a plus one to this wedding. I just want to have fun and drink. So I know there's different layers of different plus ones and work of and where you are. But um, so you can answer this however you want. But like, how do you (laughs) be a good plus one to somebody?
0: I think that you are a good plus one by recognizing that you are going with someone else to an event that you are there. You're a guest of a guest. And that's an important thing to recognize because you don't necessarily know the hosts and you do want to know what type of role you're playing and so if your guest host which would be you in this circumstance hasn't explained it it's really important for you to ask hey what are the expectations for this event? You know, are you try like just like with the networking event that we talked about, like are you trying to meet certain people? Are you instead trying to be pumped up so that you feel really good about your performance? What do you need from a plus one tonight? I think that is a great thing for a plus one to ask when they um first get the invitation to be that plus one, uh especially if the their guest host hasn't like um actually uh said anything about about what the goals of this event are definitely also important to make it clear what your expectations are for instance i i wouldn't typically expect a plus one to a wedding to contribute to the gift I would love for them to sign the card with me because technically they're a guest of the wedding, but this is my friend or my family member. And it, especially if they really aren't connected to the person whatsoever, you know, I mean, they are a plus one. They weren't on the guest list originally. I don't think it's fair to expect them to contribute to the gift, but signing the card I think is really helpful. Good, good plus one behavior is to um, know the event and what type of supportive role you are playing. To, I think, make sure that you stay within your own limits when it comes to alcohol and weed. And for some people, maybe caffeine. I also think it's, uh, it's important to be a good guest, right? So participate in the event eat the food, dance on the dance floor, mingle with other people. Don't just stand in the corner or sit at the table. Make sure that you are there with the person that you came with, that you are engaging with them and that you're doing the things at the event that they want to do. There are some occasions where a plus one can be freewheeling and having a lot of fun. They just were your, you know, you were their ticket in, and that can be totally fine. But it's really important that the guest and the guest they're bringing, the plus one, know that that's okay. <laughs> like, you don't just want your plus one to like run off and
1: like leave, ditch you for the night, you know? <laughs> no. Um. And you actually touched on something that we did get through Instagram, mm-hmm. which is how much do you gift for a wedding?
0: Ah, whatever is within your budget. So there is no need to pay for your plate or anything like that. It's really important that you get something you feel comfortable and confident with. So if the registry link already has all of the the gifts within your budget taken up, you can always use looking at the style and their taste from the registry to get something similar in kind that does fit within your budget. So you don't have to go with the registry. I think it's really important that people know that there's no like, oh, they bought me a $100 gift for my wedding. So I have to buy them a $100 gift for their wedding. It really is based on your budget and and what you can do comfortably. Yeah. Nobody likes someone that keeps score. Oh my gosh. No. And like, how rude is that to be like, you owe me this. It's like, we live totally different lives. Are you kidding me?
1: (laughs) Well, what happens if you have a super wealthy friend and they are generous? Yes. Um, Do you? (laughs) Yes. I've had a friend who recently became super successful in their line of work and they deserve it and they're incredible. But a part of me doesn't want to Venmo them as often as I want. (laughs) Totally. But you don't want to use someone.
0: No, I say always like if it's if it's more group stuff that you would typically split with other friends, always offer. I have friends who they always pick up the check. I will never be allowed to pick up the check, but I always offer every single time because it would be great if once in a while they would let me pick up the check. I I think saying thank you, being appreciative of the generosity that does come your way. My friends that I'm thinking of in this department have surprised me in a number of ways over the years and I, I know that I can't do the same things in return. And sometimes that's part of the reason why they're choosing to do something nice for me. I try really hard to be very grateful, to show that gratitude and appreciation with my words, with a thank you note, uh, which she often always laughs at, but you really want to make sure that someone knows that you really appreciate it. And then when I get a chance to do something for them, I take that opportunity. So these people are, are really big fans of puzzles And there, and we also, um, together used to, you know, just for fun, like play the lottery together and, and the whole time we'd be hanging out, we'd be dreaming up what we would do with our winnings. So I found this puzzle that was a lottery. Like once, once you've put the puzzle together, you like snap a shot of it and you're in a sweepstakes or something like that. And it's like this stupid little thing. It could not equate financially to all of the amazing things these people have ever done for me, but it was so on the nose and she freaked out for it. She just loved the gift. To like was no, so it's a really it. good idea. Just you know what talking I mean about it. I'm like, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Doing what you can and doing it really thoughtfully and well when you're on the receiving end is really important. Vice versa, when you're the person who can be really generous, I think really recognizing that your friends probably can't contribute back the same way that you're able to contribute to them, and you have to figure out whether you feel okay with that or not. My hope is that the people come first, and that the relationships and the value that you get out of the relationship is. really, Really, what matters here, rather than the intrinsic value of of the things and the food and the, you know, good spirits that you all have together.
1: Okay, I just heard something (laughs) from someone where they are well off and love to eat delicious foods, and their friend comes, but they don't share. (laughs) <laughs>
0: okay, their friend that's watches them eat.
1: That's fucked up, right? That's
0: really weird. Yeah, no. If you, I Because I was like...
1: telling another friend who's an immigrant about it, and she was like, yeah. "Can you even imagine?" And I was yep. like, mm, "Absolutely not." I, if I have the money to like buy a bunch of food, and I'm like, "Please come with me," you're yeah. eating it with me. So absolutely, it is fucked up that this person yeah. just eats the food and his friend watches.
0: Yeah, no, that's really weird. Unless that's like a part of their relationship, but I think they... like, you know what I mean. But I feel like. Um, Um, it's one thing, right. If you've got like, I don't know, I'm picturing rich people with like caviar and champagne, like ready to go in the house. and that kind of thing, it's like, you don't have to bring that out every time your friend comes over, but if, The plan is to like eat this amazing dinner to cook this amazing food. Yeah. If you're inviting people over, you're including them in that. You're not inviting them over to have them watch you eat it and then you serve them something else or nothing like that's super weird. It's weird. Like,
1: (laughs) So um, my family, I think a lot of immigrant culture or if you grew up a certain way, if you come over, you better eat. What do you do if you go to a home where declining food is rude, but you're not mm-hmm. hungry, you're struggling with some food stuff, whatever it is? Yeah. How do you um, navigate that kind of situation?
0: I think this is some of the hardest stuff that we deal with, and not just from an eating disorder perspective, but from uh, there are oftentimes things we're dealing with personally that we aren't always interested in divulging socially and yet it impacts our social interactions. And that can be really, really difficult if you're not willing to talk to people about why you might not be engaging in the meal portion of the evening. Um, I think it's really excellent, the um, focus on mental health and just all of the struggles that I think we humans can face in this world. I'm hoping that people will get much more confident being able to voice those struggles in simple ways that allow others to understand some of their interactions or maybe awkward moments socially. Like if I'm not going to eat at a dinner, I would love for people to feel confident saying to their host, I I really want to come to your dinner party. I'm I'm struggling with some food stuff right now. Would it be okay if I just sat and joined in the conversation, but didn't actually eat? And I think having that kind of host guest dance at the invitation, if more people feel comfortable doing that, I feel like you have a chance of getting more of the good socialization that can often help these situations and get the compassion and the sympathy for your friend rather than the judgment that might come their way if they were sitting there not eating or pushing their food around and wasting it and things like that. I think previously we would have said talking about your innermost feelings or your personal struggles is rude. And I don't think that any of us really see that these days, but instead you want to be able to be confident about what is going on with you and communicate that in a way that you feel safe and comfortable with.
1: I also like the new frame of mind of like stop pushing shots on people or food or whatever. Yes. If someone says no, oh, let them say no. Yes. Whatever the reason is, like no one has to explain to you why they want to drink or not, whether it's a, a diet, an addiction, a personal goal or just not tonight. Preference. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> totally. Like so, so many I many do love reasons. the new thing of just like allowing someone to say no and moving on. And I think that's yeah. becoming more popular.
0: One hundred percent. Like we really see it. Our next edition of Emily Post's Etiquette really really allows for a lot more of that. And I say allows, but it's like really, you know, (laughs) it suggests a lot more of that. I would say it's really important. I think to recognize that the pressure and the idea that just one way of eating, one way of living is the only way to do it is is ridiculous. I'm not a big drinker. I often turn down alcohol these days. I do not turn down weed very often. (laughs) But I think that it's nice to feel a lot more comfortable saying no. And if someone gives you cred for it, they're the jerk. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: absolutely. In terms of culture, race, class in this country and in terms of etiquette, How do we like rectify or like go through this stuff and realizing it may, come like from the Gilded Age, you know, like might come from a place where we're not including all different types of people. How has etiquette changed or how can it be more inclusive? I'm sure you've thought about this.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. It's a big part of our work. Well, it's one of the things I really love about Emily Post Etiquette is that it has consistently become more inclusive over the years. There's actually a woman doing a study on all of the books, all of the editions. And that was one of the conclusions they came to is that it's getting increasingly more progressive, um, increasingly more inclusive and aware of a broader audience, which is, it was nice to see that over the years and know that it, it wasn't just happening in the last five years, but that it's really been a consistent beat. And Emily really always looked to the generation that was up and coming. You hear that a lot in her biography, actually, where she was really looking to the youth culture to be defining the terms for the next generation's etiquette. I think that's really smart and it's definitely something we've tried to continue to do. I I love this next generation because it is much more inclusive, much more thoughtful, much more aware, I think, of the individual. And I love the fact that this book has a lot of support towards personal identity and really making sure that we respect people's identities and, and not just label them or use dead names, things like that. But instead that we really are encouraging that the polite thing, the respectful thing, the considerate and honest thing to do is to respect someone when they tell you who they are to me that's just so huge. It's like they're not they're not telling you something that's a whim. They're telling you who they are. It's funny etiquette really can be used to be exclusive, to be a club of secrets, to be only for the elite when you choose to use it that way. That type of etiquette is filled with judgment and exclusivity and I I don't find a lot of use for it in the world. But when you start using etiquette as a means for self-reflection, For recognizing your own behaviors and how you impact the people around you, when you choose to look at it through that lens and say, I'm going to try to have interactions that leave the best imprint I possibly can on the people around me, that's going to build a better world. That's going to build a world where we can get along even with our differences and know it won't be perfect, but it will be a world where people are then also comfortable with apologizing when things don't go right. And that's a beautiful thing in and of itself. My hope is that a lot more folks who talk about etiquette and a lot more people when they think about etiquette, think of it in these terms rather than in the exclusive elitist judgmental category that etiquette can turn into if you choose to yield it that way.
1: I wish more people look to the youth, honestly. Um, that's why we get so many <laughs> cool, old, man. <laughs> out of, these old out of touch people, like a lot of comics, even. I'm like, why are? can you you're 60? Can you just like yeah. realize you're 60 and maybe you're wrong? <laughs> but also, are you a housewives person? No, um, you-
0: I did long ago. I was not quite as much now, but it's still like that's also partly just because I, I stopped having like cable or satellite. And so it became less of a thing. I'd have to got to, to like catch up on like a Hulu or something. Well, there's Luanne Della Seps and she. Yeah. Uh, oh, she yes. She's done etiquette stuff. Totally. Yes. She had I think she had a book that came but out when
1: her seasons sure were did. happening. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. she's um she uses it as a uh, judge. Like she's a judgmental person. It, it c-
0: <laughs> Yeah. And I would not expect anything less on a show, that's yes. like, you know, meant to be really dramatic. Right. <laughs> So, I, and
1: the listeners know this, this has kind of been a through line through a lot of these episodes mentioning this one relationship in my life. Um, a friend of, like, I would say 12 years and I um, are no longer friends. Uh, but the timing of this happened with a big life event okay. with this person. Okay. Um, I decided not to send anything, but I was thinking, like, do you still send a wedding gift, a baby gift, a housewarming, mm-hmm. a congrats on like maybe a job someone's been working on yeah. for years and years or they graduate, but you're no longer friends, but you've been with them on this journey. Yeah. Um. So that is something that I was struggling with. I decided how I decided. But what are your thoughts on a relationship is over, but something that you know that this person's wanted for a long time has happened. And it's yeah. weird not to be a part of it, but also you don't want to taint their experience that they're so
0: pumped with, they don't like you anymore or whatever it is. Right. I think I would ask myself, would do I, do I think with my best guest assumption that this person would be pissed to hear from me or would they recognize that, that I'm recognizing a really wonderful moment in their life. And even if it doesn't rekindle the friendship, they might just appreciate hearing from me. And I think it's, it's a really hard guess to make. I definitely have friends who I've lost touch with or who there was a direct falling out with and those big life events happen and you wonder, but I'm also the person who will, like, I, I, I try to not be on social media socially pretty much at all. I'm always so curious about if they would be upset if I saw or liked a post about something like, you know, so I even like a step back from sending a gift or not, or a direct card or not. I'm like, I don't even know if I have permission to heart a stupid post. You know what I mean? I think it can, it can be really, really hard to tell, but what I, what I like about taking the risk of doing it is that at the base of this risk, you are wishing them well. And as long as you don't try to use it as a stepping stone for some other kind of expectation about the relationship, I think that if you have the courage and the confidence to do it, I would probably say go through with it. But if if you're really feeling hesitant, it might be worth listening to that hesitancy in in your relationship. Only you are going to really know what went wrong and how ticked off everybody is or isn't or was or wasn't at the time. You know? I wanted to, and by the advice yeah. of our mutual friends, I was told not to. Not to. I, I, that You know, okay, so this is another route to go is kind of asking the grapevine a little bit. And you got to be careful with who you ask, right? And we all know those friends that are either make things more dramatic than they need to be or who encourage reconciliation at every whim when really it shouldn't always happen. I think it's important to recognize who you ask, but sometimes asking through the grapevine or trying to... To find something out that way can be good. It doesn't mean that the person won't find out. You try to ask something through a sister and the sister doesn't know whether it would be good or not. And then they ask the person and now it's like exactly what you didn't want to have happen happens. (laughs) And in terms of this,
1: how do you deal with an enemy at a gathering party, inviting Mm -hmm. enemies? Um, Because what happens with this rift is it's put pressure on the people around us. Yeah. Um. I'm a little more chill in this thing. This other person refuses to be in the same place I'm as me. So, so, so It's okay. I mean, um, there's a reason the friendship ended, right? So, yeah. um, but it does put, like, is it fair for this person to put pressure on our friends? Like, my friends now have to give a warning if I'm going to be somewhere. There's just, like, a mm-hmm. lot of mess because yeah. there's a ripple. We were a group, and now we're not a group. So, yeah. like... What do you do as a person throwing a party in terms of choosing? Do you invite everyone? Do you play these games? and Or do you tell this person, like, we're all adults. You either are going to be in a room with them or not. Yeah. Um, because they're also missing big events because they don't want to be around me. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so what is, uh, how do you deal with enemies or people you don't get along with in small get together.
0: (laughs) I think as long as, um, as long as we aren't talking about safety issues here, I think that, that if it's much more of just that social uncomfortability of these people had a falling out and everybody in this group is still friends with both of them, that the way I ideally see it happening is that the two of you get invited to everything that other people throw because you're, they're friends with each of you and that you have to each, on your own, figure out if you can behave or if you can't attend. Typically in etiquette, you don't ask who else is invited to a party because you're trying to trust that your host has put together something really great and you shouldn't be judging your invitation as to whether or not person X or person Z is going to be there. You want to be judging it, whether you think, oh, you know, Betsy's throwing a dinner party and I'd like to go to that, you know? And if there are people there that I don't get along with, I know I can be a grown up, and I just won't I won't spend a lot of time trying to talk with them or fake a friendship, but we could be in the same room and socialize with other people. I would really love for more of that to be the reality of how it happens. And I think much more commonly people will say, well, you know, is that person going, should I not go? What do you think? And there's a lot of, like you said, kind of this background that happens debating about who's going to get to attend what um, I it, when it comes to each of you, I would not expect the other one to include you in the group anymore. So when the group comes over (laughs) for your dinner party, you're not trying to invite her. And when she she throws a dinner party, she's not trying to invite you. And I think that's perfectly fine. But the larger events, I think if the event has a celebrant or an honoree, the two of you really have to be on your best behavior. I think it would be really cool if you mutually decided to ignore each other. I think that's one of like the better things that can happen to be honest. That's what's been happening okay can i ask you though when that happens does it feel unnecessarily awkward or does it feel like we found our comfort zone with this girl not only
1: awkward we eventually um we're at the same Soul Cycle class, directly staring <laughs> at each other. Oh, like we God. were sidebar. I don't know how into Soul Cycle you are, but we I'm were, not.
0: But now I'm getting a good picture.
1: <laughs> we were side because there's like rows that look just at the teacher, and then there's these sidebar ones, and we were opposite sidebar. Oh, and we did not.
0: I, I, so it's been mutual told, ghosting,
1: mutual ghosting. Yeah. I, I'm because I'm someone I think I say more than I can do because a part of me wants to be like, can't we just say hi? Can't we just do some small talk? Um, But when I'm in that situation or at this party, I get uncomfortable as well. I'm not some superhuman. So like Mm -hmm. as much as I want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm chill. I don't give a fuck. Of course I do. So Mm -hmm. I do feel uncomfortable. Like I walked into a party and walked straight up to a friend with a smile. And I was like, I don't know what to do right now. I feel (laughs) very uncomfortable. I feel like I'm in a Housewives show. Um, But we figured it out. And now, yeah, it's just like full ignoring. It's full ignoring uh, these things. That might be the best that you can
0: do. That just might be. and, And as long as the other friends are expecting it and accepting it, I think you can actually both navigate that fairly well. My guess is that over time at some point, either one of you won't socialize with this group as much, or there'll be enough of a moment where you have to talk to each other that there'll be little cracks in the armor eventually. And, and that, a third option, it just stays the way it is for forever. I don't know. This at least makes it your problem that the two of you aren't forcing on everybody else by doing a lot of, I. I refuse to come. If she's going to be there, if you refuse to come, if she's going to be there, that's your choice. You know what I mean? Where etiquette would see a problem with it is when you're using that as a threat to kind of, to, to like control the guest list, that would be a problem from an etiquette perspective. The Um,
1: word control
0: is a perfect uh, word. I feel like it's not your party. You're not the one in control. What you are in control of is being the guest and deciding if you're going to go to the party or not. But I think it it is really tough when there are these kind of rifts or these awkwardnesses within social groups. And I, frankly, it sounds like you two are doing the best that you can, as long as there isn't a ton of that background stuff, like pulling the strings and trying to get either you not invited to something or you know what I mean? This is a lesson I probably should
1: have learned from life and just experiences. But the show Yellow Jackets really um... oh, I haven't seen it yet. It really taught me and solidified this idea of like, none of us are good and bad. We're just a series of choices and mistakes. And they either have consequences that last forever and are detrimental or you can move on. And like, I can't believe a TV show had to do that for me. But it was like this. um, It it helped me uh, be like, no one is good and bad. No one. Yeah. Because a lot of the characters in that show are like do bad things, but I still love them. And, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and we all do bad things. And it's like what you choose. And I don't know, forgiveness and all of that type yeah. of stuff. You should watch Yellow Jackets.
0: Well, it'll go on my list. <laughs> it's so good. In terms
1: of inviting and okay. not. As a single person, and I don't I don't want to have children, I, I yeah. will continue to be child-free in my life. Having all these friends in relationships with children, it's really annoying. It's not annoying. It I love be. it, but it can be. I know. Be. That's the I know just thing. what you mean. <laughs> so there was like a, a kid's party, and it's fine. It's a kid's party. I was the only single person invited outside of one of the babysitters. Mm-hmm. And And to me, it was like, but you have other great friends that don't have children. (laughs) But in their head, it was like, this is a kid's party, and I'm inviting people with kids, and that's that. And to me, I was like, well, you're showing how you devalue all your other friends that don't have children, but also it's your party. You get to do whatever the fuck you want, and you wanted all these kids to have a good time. But it was like, so am I just going to be cut from stuff because I don't have children? Or it, it just... It's stranger, even with plus ones where it's like, well, you don't get a plus one because you're by yourself. And that's that. I don't know. How do we navigate a world where more people are deciding not to have children or having children later in life or aren't getting married or, or having traditional single. stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, why can't I bring a best friend to your wedding? Like, why? Like, oh, no, why you can't.
0: That's a, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At but least like, according to Emily Post etiquette, you can. But um, you have to be
1: given that plus one. And then a part of me was yeah, thinking you do in have the to future, be given a plus one.
0: Yeah but and so to me
1: I'm like everyone should just fucking get one but also things are expensive yada yada I understand all that but also in terms of like let's say I want to invite a friend but I hate their spouse and I'm sorry I don't want your spouse at my fucking event <laughs> that seems rude right that That's is, rude. yeah no
0: that one does not unfortunately well I shouldn't say unfortunate maybe it is unfortunate but that one once you're a married couple or a very well established couple so even if you don't get legally married but it's just well known you know like a, a Kurt Russell Gold Holdie type thing. It becomes really rude to socially invite one of the couple, but not the other. And what I think is yeah, so strange about me. that. Well, and what I think so strange about that is that like my girlfriends throw plenty of dinner parties where it's just the girls, you know, I don't. So I don't know. That'll be an interesting one. We have a section in the 20th edition that's called Thinking Forward, where we actually ask for people's thoughts on some things like the fact that old school etiquette says that whether you attend a wedding or not, you are obligated to send a gift to the couple. That's one that I think a lot of people question. Some people don't even know that that rule exists, you know what I mean? But other ones are things like uses for titles in the future. We currently only have one title that on its own identifies someone as a married adult individual. So that's that's the title of missus. Like there is no equivalent for Mr. There is no equivalent for mix for the for that. Only the the missus gets that particular designation would guys and non-binary or gender non-conforming people be interested in having a title that represented them as married adults as an individual? I don't know. I think that this is a really good question to ask is, should, should we all automatically get a plus one to every social event if we are single? And also, should you have to invite a spouse or a long established partner when inviting the other person to larger events, things like weddings where it's like really expected. I think these would be great questions to get a a new finger on the pulse of the community about.
1: I would love to, because to me, it's like, well, we're not friends and we actually outwardly don't like each other. And it's obvious. And I think maybe this person would choose not to come to a big event I had. But Mm -hmm. just the fact that I have to invite them. Because they're with the spouse. Yeah. (laughs) But I feel not discriminated against, but it is. um, Yeah, you're coming alone to this event. So have fun flying by yourself. And it's like. I don't know, but I have a friend who is single for forever and I'm going to London for her wedding and she straight up was like, bring whoever the fuck you want to this wedding. Nice, very nice. I'm not going to have someone fly to London with me for this wedding (laughs) and I'm happy to go on my own, but I liked that she was like, bring whoever you want. Yeah. And that meant a lot. So I'm trying, I don't want to (laughs) like blow anyone's cover. Basically someone who is pregnant. Okay. Threw a party, but said no kids allowed. For the vibe. yeah. And um, I had friends who have kids and they were like, well, she'll figure out soon how annoying this really is.
0: (laughs) And...
1: I think money breaks your brain, fame breaks your brain, and having children breaks your brain. I
0: agree. Yes. But it was like,
1: yeah, she doesn't want your kids at this party. Like, I don't care. It's not about you. It's
0: Yeah. You're allowed to not invite kids, right? Yes. You are allowed to not invite kids to lots of things. You can absolutely have dinner parties without kids. You can have weddings without kids. You can have... Um, Do you have to provide I, child care or no, if you say you wedding, don't okay. have to. It's really great when you can, because like the likelihood is that it will help more people be able to attend the wedding when you can't get that babysitter or when the babysitter cancels last minute and you know that there's going to be child care available at the, you know, the hotel or the whatever, even just set up by the couple, you know, who who know a bunch of great babysitters locally or something like that. It's totally fine. There are lots of people with kids who really appreciate adults only parties. I think it's really worth recognizing that just because it can be frustrating to find a sitter doesn't mean that everybody in the world now has to throw a party that invites children.
1: Yeah, cuz that's the thing. I have another friend and I we we both kind of commiserate about this often, but Totally. <laughs> we are so considerate of all of our friends with children. We're in our 30s, mm-hmm. like we are so considerate of their time, their availability, what they need, everything, and their yeah. children. And I just don't know if they consider us in the ways we consider them. Mm-hmm. And yet they feel like they're so selfless because they take care of their children. But in turn, they become so much more selfish of their lives. Yeah. It's just been like kind of a frustrating couple years in terms of that.
0: I can totally relate to that or understand it. I think there's a lot of people who, who also really would relate to that feeling that friendships really go wonky once people get married or once people have kids. Um, And it's because the attention divide has changed there, you know, where their focus is has completely shifted and not only are they getting used to it, but you have to then be getting used to it. And it can be a really bumpy few years as you navigate that with your friends and some friendships don't make it, through those years and other friendships get stronger throughout them. I'm like, I'm so excited that two of my friends had a baby and it was like getting together with them after their kind of first initial three months with the baby. Like, they're just, they're still so them. <laughs> like, I hate to say it that way, but they really are. You know, it's like, I, I felt so relieved that I love this couple so much and to not feel like I was going to lose them to a world of parenting was really exciting. It's like really cool to hear the the mom talking about how she's crafting her new identity between like herself and herself as a mom, just the places that she, she's like one of my favorite golfing buddies. And she's like, she's like, I really want to make time for this. And like, maybe if we aren't even going to play, we could just like get in the cart and drive around with a glass of wine. I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> like Whatever you want. Like, I'm just stoked that you're trying to like engage and stuff. And that she was also really welcoming of me, you know, Coming over, helping, not helping out specifically with the baby, but coming over, being there for dinners, being there on just an afternoon where nothing is going on, you know, and I, I appreciated being welcomed into their new little family in that way. Yeah, I feel
1: um, I always felt that way. And I still do in terms of like hanging out with everyone. But the pandemic definitely shifted the way I felt about it, because the loneliness was real. And then you realize you're just not a priority in any of your friends lives. Okay,
0: I and that is
1: what (sighs) happened. And I'm not I shouldn't be a priority. Your children should be the priority. And when life is happening, and you're busy and doing the road, it matters less. But all of a sudden, it's like, Oh, I am. I am no one's priority. And so it was very selfish feelings. It's not even etiquette. It's like truly like, oh, I don't. My core is not my core, no matter how much I know they love me or their children love me or I'm welcome in their home. It's like on their schedule, on their availability, on theirs. And I'm just like this floater. Yes. So that's like where my
0: feelings come from. I hope that our, I mean, our generation, I feel like has more uh, single people longer into adulthood than many other generations have. I really hope that more people can start to get a, a perspective on what that singledom can be like, even when it's really appreciated and chosen the loneliness. I am right there with you that I felt and the lack of being anybody's priority. And that's even like, even within my own family, like my parents and my My parents were each other's priority. My sister and her husband and kids were their priority. You know, it was like, unless somebody needed me for something, I was not a priority. And it was really, um, Not like a slap in the face, but it was a really uncomfortable feeling, a really sad feeling, even though I felt really good about things like I wasn't dealing with anybody else's freakouts in the middle of my house and I wasn't dealing with anyone else's schedules. I had so much privilege in that time. And yet I could still end up feeling very back burner, very, very much so not um, kind of like I they were all my clan and I was not their clan. You know what I mean? And that and that was really apparent. We in Vermont had some extreme shutdowns where like you couldn't even partner up with anybody but one other household. And that was really hard. It'll be really interesting to see how much more kind of singles aware people get moving forward. And I'll be curious to see if any of the etiquette in our book shifts in the future because of that.
1: Yeah. And there was times then where a friend said Well, I I feel left out because I don't have kids. I'm sure that's how you feel since you're single and we're all just assuming it. (laughs) And I went, No, I actually never felt left out. You're all my friends, but now I feel like you like pity me in this weird way. Now you're making me feel weird. I actually never felt left out. Yeah. But now I do. Yeah. Um, All right, I, I, you know I've had you for a while. I'm gonna. No, I've just, got all
0: afternoon. You just ask as many questions. I'm as gonna. You need to. <laughs> okay, so I got a lot of
1: these in the Instagram, okay. Okay. Um, and I have actually become pretty good at this. I want to pat myself on the back, um, okay. but it's how to say goodbye, how to leave or end a conversation. Oh yeah. And I, I don't know. I, it's probably pandemic stuff, but I've gotten really good. If I'm talking to someone, and we talked about like the sh- like if I see a friend, I go, Oh, my friend just got here. I really want to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And I just go. And um, I feel I feel proud of myself when that happens. So I know how to end things or I go, oh, I have to go up. Like, I'm kind of good at it. But we got a bunch of those of like, how do you end convos that you don't want to be a part of anymore?
0: So a little bit depends on why we're ending the convo, right? If it's because um, we, like you said, I want to go see someone else. It's time for me to, to move on from this conversation. I'm at more of a mix and mingle event. Perfectly fine to say, oh, I just spotted someone that I've got to go say hi to, or wow, it's been really great catching up with you. I'm going to mingle a little bit more. I'm going to go do this thing, whatever it is. And you can excuse yourself that way. When it's more of a situation where something was really offensive, and you want to end the conversation because it's either gotten really uncomfortable or you were really offended, it is completely up to you and how you feel in the situation as to whether you identify that as a part of your exit or whether you decide to use some other mechanism like the, oh, I'm going to go mingle now kind of a thing. You are the only person who's going to know in that moment whether this is really something that you need to speak to or whether it's going to be better for you to just exit and leave gracefully and, and both could easily be graceful exits. Um, but I think that's a really important thing to recognize is that like politeness today does not say that you have to just shut up and smile and politely excuse yourself when, when someone says something truly offensive. It's okay to say, hey... Jim, that's too far for me. I'm sorry. I'm going to go, go, go find someone else to talk to, or I'm going to go do this thing elsewhere. I watched my aunt do it once at Thanksgiving where like, she didn't, the joke, you know, the joke in quotes was told. And she was like, and that's where I'm going to exit and go help Trisha with the dishes. And off she went. And I was like, that is so good. (laughs) Like I was impressed with that. And no more jokes were told or quote unquote jokes were told.
1: Recently, I had a thing where someone was like, aren't you a comedian? Shouldn't you be able to take it, blah, blah? blah. And I went, yeah, whatever. I don't enjoy
0: this. <laughs> yeah, right? Whatever, oh, I like that. Whatever, I don't enjoy this. Yeah, yeah
1: whatever your theory on com- comedy is or being offended, I don't need this dynamic is what I said. Yeah. Like, I'm not enjoying this. So I don't care what, like, the the philosophical ideals of humor are i hate this so i'm out of here peace totally there's
0: room for all kinds of perspectives and it's okay for you to voice yours and say you know my perspective on this is this isn't landing well and i'd rather change the subject that's another one if you're in a situation maybe you can't escape it is okay to redirect a conversation and explicitly say i'm not willing to go there but i would love to hear about you know you and john and the kids or so whatever you know like pick something that, you know, they would enjoy talking about and that would be a connection point if you can and and offer that up as a place that you are willing to talk and and be a part of.
1: And you know what you learned through that is there are some people who just truly have nothing to share unless they're bothering you. So yep. it's like, you know, we disagree politically on these things. Why are you bringing this up? I finally had to like sexual assaults always brought up around me because Ugh. of well, what about this and due process, whatever? And I just turned to a guy and I went, I think all men are abusers until proven otherwise. And he goes, Well, you can't do that. I go, Well, that's what I believe. So you're not going to change my mind. So let's just end the fucking conversation. And Run he was taken aback, but it was just like, You know, we disagree on this. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Like, why are you bringing up stuff we've just, dis- we know we are not going to see eye to eye with? And then you realize they're just empty people with nothing to share.
0: Yeah. Or that they want to keep proving that same point over and over. Cause that's for some reason, the only satisfying conversation for them. I had a friend who just wouldn't uh, just, just would not stop with, with misogynistic talk. And I was like, you know, I, I can't honestly, you've got so many wonderful qualities about you and this conversation just ruins it all for me. It makes it, it, it unfortunately is such a thing that I can't sit around and listen to this. I don't feel good about listening to it. I'm not interested in it. I don't find it intelligent or funny. And if you, if this is the only place you can go, we can't hang out anymore. And do you hang out with this person? not really because we were on very different sides of the pandemic i would say that and i didn't yeah. i i wasn't going <laughs> to like you know i'm like you know i've got little kids in my life and i've got like my niece and nephew and i've got parents that i wanted to to be protective of and i really came down on that side that the vaccination and masking were important to me that just another conversation that we weren't going to go into <laughs> together yeah. and that kind of just stopped the phone calls i think
1: and another piece um I think I am good at and I have done this, but we got it, and it's kind of in how you and something. But how do you get out of a date when you realize partway through that you hate them? Ah, and I recently think that happened yeah. to me. And midway through, I just went, "I'm
0: you got to go." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got you got to go. It's hard. It's hard. Um, you know, people can always be hopeful, but it, it depends. It really depends on whether or not you need to get up and leave, right? Or if you're just going to wait it out till the end of the date. And obviously, if something's so bad, um, I think it's okay to call it. I had a friend who she always made sure she had cash on her so that when she called it, she could at least drop down the cash easily and walk out without having to worry about you know, feeling like she had somehow just like taken advantage of someone for a meal or something like that. I think always go to a date with enough cash on you that you could, you could throw down and walk out and not feel, um, just, just feel comfortable that you had covered yourself and you can just go. If they pay for you on a date, you don't owe them anything. You don't owe them a second date. You don't owe them a kiss. You don't owe them nothing, but I think it can feel really good to be able to, to throw down that 20 or 40 bucks and be like, you know, I appreciate that we tried. This it's really not working for me. I'm going to take off now. I hope you have a good rest of the night and just out the door you go. And I think that if it was really that bad, it's okay to, whether you're in the middle of the meal or it's at the start of the meal and you just ordered whatever it is that got you to that point that you're ready to stand up and leave, you do it. If instead it's just like, oh, check, check, check all the things that I'm not into, okay, like I I I have less of a problem with the person and more, just not feeling the click. Um, that's where I'm probably going to get all the way through the date. I'm not going to give anybody a kiss. Good night. And I'll probably say, you know, the, it was really nice to meet you, but I think for me, this isn't, this isn't going to go further than tonight and then leave it at that. And just, I think saying, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. It's always good to try, but it's not for me. <laughs> all right.
1: Someone wrote clogged toilet situation. I don't know if this is part of the Emily post. Oh, we
0: did talk about it. <laughs> okay, great.
1: And then uh, to add on, like, what if, um, what if like you period blood all over a hotel sheets? I don't know if those are connected. The clogged toilet, like, or hmm. the hotel's messy. Do you just leave cash? Do you have to tell someone? And clogged toilet situation. So I guess like the
0: gross, uh, the gross vibes. And is this just is this for where help me location? Obviously, Hotel Sheets is at the hotel, but is the clogged toilet at somebody's house or is it the at the hotel as well?
1: Yeah, I don't know exactly. I just wrote clogged toilet situation. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, at a party in a home or at a restaurant,
0: I don't know. I think when it comes to the period blood, I would probably try as best I could to like remove the sheet and put it under cold water to like get as much of it out as possible as quickly as possible. And I think that would be true whether I was staying as a guest at someone's house or whether it was at a hotel. I can't say I've ever run into this problem, but I I can imagine that it does happen, but that might just for for my own like level of, I wouldn't want someone else feeling like they had to deal with it. And the stain has the best chance of being removed if it's dealt with quickly with a lot of cold water. So that, that would kind of be my go-to there. But, um, if you're, Done and leaving the hotel. I, I mean, I definitely leave a decent tip. You should be leaving a, a tip for any kind of housekeeping every day that you're there because housekeeping often changes. But I'd also make sure that. Well, now
1: I've- they're screwing housekeeping people and using COVID as an excuse and That's saying. That's ridiculous. Like, yeah, their new thing is like, we don't do um, turn down, we don't do anything unless per request by this time. And uh, Adam Conover, he has a show called Adam Ruins Everything. And he did a video that it's actually not about covid and it's now hotels get to not pay housekeepers because, what? yes, um, they get to pay them less because now they're only doing it when people check out.
0: Wow. Yeah. OK, so that's the kind but of But I always that... tip. I didn't yeah, grow up that tip. way. Oh, really? I learned yes. I
1: learned from girls
0: on HBO. Okay.
1: That's when I was like, oh, I need to be leaving money all the time. Like I didn't I didn't.
0: You know, a lot of these things
1: you're like raised doing or not. And so since I didn't grow up in this culture, like I grew up in this culture, but my parents were, it was like, I didn't know about thank you cards. Like that's how I was raised. And then American people were doing, I was like, oh, okay, you have to do this or that. And tipping housekeeping is one of those things for me where I learned as an adult on my own.
0: Totally. And I think that's a lot of people's experience with um, things like that. And also like holiday tipping at the end of the year. That's when I find a lot of people get exposed to once they're like at a company and it happens at a corporate level, then they start hearing that it happens on more of a social level in your personal life. But I think that... uh, I, I would probably take the sheet for housekeeping and fold it up so that they weren't going to have to touch anything that I had soiled personally, just as a courtesy to them trying to deal with everything. But I do think it is really important to leave a proper tip. I don't know how, how much more you have to leave if, if something like a period accident happens, but I would say that anytime that the housekeeper's job is going to be more than just grabbing the towels, changing out the garbage, you know, I think you really want to start upping the amount that you leave per day or at the end of your visit, whichever it ends up being, depending on the COVID restrictions and things like that. Um, so I think that's the case when it comes to staying at someone's house, definitely tell them, don't just leave that as a surprise. And that would go for any kind of mistake that you make at someone's house or any kind of accident that results in something being ruined, stained, or, um, needing a good cleaning after you've been there. I think it's really important to tell people about these things and you make the offer as best you can. If you're able to offer to contribute something towards getting it fixed or repaired or cleaned, I think that's wonderful. If you're not it's part of part of entertaining other people is accepting the fact that there could be damages right i mean you don't like yell at people for getting lipstick on your napkins when you were the one that put them out for the person to use you know if it's too precious let it be too precious and don't use it don't have it out put it away you know, it's like didn't we all learn that like throwing high school and like college parties at our parents' houses and stuff? Like you put all the good stuff away so that it doesn't break. Um, yeah, but people because I, I was gonna ask this, but it's like
1: people yeah. are just out of control. But there are some things that you know not to do, and yet some people will always be like, "Oh, are you pregnant again?" Or like, "Oh, <laughs> oh my I'm gosh, number I know." Two. Right? Like people still <laughs> continue to do the most insane things that have been like taboo or like not etiquette forever. Yeah. Yeah. People will just ask, I someone just had a baby via surrogate and I, I saw in front of my eyes I saw someone ask, Well, is it your real baby? Oh, God. it's just like <laughs> on, um, people just say out of control things. And then the clogged toilet is the same thing. Like you let people okay. know or you find the thing. Yes, or...
0: absolutely. I would do my best to to try to plunge, but only if I really knew what I was doing. If if you're not sh- like, do not keep pressing the lever. Don't, you know, get into an overflow situation. That would be even worse than a clogged toilet. Um, but it, it absolutely tell the host say, hey, listen, this is a little embarrassing for me, but I did clog your toilet. Like, is there some way we can discreetly fix this? Do you need my help? Like, what what should we do? Um, We joke in the 20th edition that you might have to move the party elsewhere if it's a one bathroom apartment. You know what I mean? Like, and you clog the toilet. It's like you got to either ask your neighbor if you can use theirs or what. Like, but that's just you want to have a bathroom if you're throwing a party. <laughs> wow. Did not even think about that.
1: <laughs> um, Okay, so in-laws will not take shoes off in my home. In-laws, yeah, so like this person's mm. in-laws keep coming over. They want them to take their shoes off and they refuse mm-hmm. to do that. And I don't know if you're a Sex in the City person. There's a famous episode. I do know
0: this one. Allegra, uh, yes. yes. About the <laughs> and shoes. $450 Manolo Blahniks. Um, it's a great case. That, that episode is a great case for being allowed to leave your shoes on in people's apartments. But I do think that some people are really worried about germs, especially if they've got little babies crawling on the floor and things like that. I like to try to find solutions rather than... And just like declare a line in the sand and get mad about everybody who can't who who isn't crossing it or My who is sister, crossing it. First. she has yeah. slippers she has like okay. um, so a she offers of something for people to put on their feet that's always thoughtful yeah if she really can't get her in laws to respect the rules of the house which they should be doing I mean even if they don't agree with them they should be respecting the rules of the house I would then place some kind of a wipe. Uh, So so that they could wipe off the bottom of their shoes. If it's the germs, if it's the dirt from the street coming in that she's really worried about Um, other people, sometimes the reason is the hardwood floors. And I have a much harder time getting behind this one Um, when when your reasoning is, oh, because I'll have to vacuum after you've been here. That's when I'm like, you're really putting your own feelings about vacuuming or the hardwood floors above just your guests as people that you've invited over who are trying to be comfortable in your home. And that's where I start to be like, you know, You throw a party, you don't worry about someone using a dish that you're going to have to wash later. Why are you worried about the vacuuming afterwards? Like you're going to have to vacuum after a party anyway. But the hardwood floors, I've had some people say, oh, but I have a historic house. And when people wear like uh, he was complaining about women wearing like uh, high heeled shoes, like spiked high heel shoes, and they leave dents. And it's like if it's that precious to you. Either I would make the announcement when you invite people that you're going to ask. And then that's really pretty persnickety. Like, hi, can you only bring these types of shoes because these types of shoes ruin our floors? If your floors are that precious, then you're going to have to start making asks like this. You're going to have to be that person because otherwise you're getting mad at people for something you haven't told them about. And it's your own situation. It's not theirs as a host. You're supposed to be making people feel comfortable.
1: Uh, that is very good. Okay. <laughs> we just have a couple more from Insta and then you can do like some final words, <laughs> okay, even though I can sure. ask you things forever. Because one of my...
0: I, well, I can just, do this for forever. Like I literally love this. <laughs> okay, that makes me happy. This is something...
1: <laughs> this is not an Instagram. This is personal. Okay. Um, I get involved in people's business in a way. Like okay. If I see something, if I see someone yelling at someone at the airport or mm-hmm. um, if like... <laughs> <laughs> My famous one was there was just like a man at the table with a bunch of women and he wasn't letting anyone talk. And he just kept talking. And I I just turned to the table. I go, maybe you should let some of these women speak. You keep asking questions and not letting them speak. <laughs> okay. And the people I was with were horrified. And they were like, yeah. but then I saw that the women got to speak at this table and the man shut up. He didn't even argue with me. Yeah. And that felt good. Or like if someone's trying to budge a whole line, I'm like, we're all here. Yeah. I just have a question. We all just have a question. Get the fuck to the back of the line. So I... <laughs> I have, like, this white savior lunatic. Like, I do... I, ha- I get off on, like...
0: um inserting yourself. uh, Yes.
1: Um, is that rude? Like that's obviously rude or I would
0: say, like, I I mean, it's both rude and comical, like, because I like the way you're retelling it. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad you're doing these things. (laughs) Um, I, I don't, I like the fact that the guy didn't, didn't give you crud back for it. Um, I think that, you know, pick your time and place. I'm often someone who will do the, like, like I'll commiserate with the strangers around me kind of a thing, you know, Um, every now and again, other people around me were not looking for me to commiserate with them (laughs) at all. And you get that like, okay, lady. And I'm like, oh, great. Yep. Maybe I am a little lonely. Um, but no, it's, I think you really got to pick your battles. The one thing I will say is that you never know how a stranger is going to react. And there was some story, uh, years ago, I think it was in the LA times and it was about, um, is people had gone to the movies and the guy next to them at the movies was texting and, or they were texting, somebody was texting and there was light being thrown into the movie theater. And the guy got so like pissed off about it. He left the theater, came back with a meat thermometer and stabbed a guy in the neck. Like it was just like that. That's the kind of stuff where it's like, if you, if you're the one to address it, like, you just you have to be so careful you don't know where people are at you don't know their mental states like it, it people to strangers i mean look at what we do to each other on the internet now imagine the in person version you know even when you don't know each other it's so easy to be rude to be violent to be Okay, maybe it's not easy to be violent, but people can be violent. It well, you like changed my oh really got to be careful. <laughs> like, and I don't mean to like, and that's like a sensational story. At some point, I need to refine it so that I can make sure I'm even telling it right. Um, But I seem to recall it was texting was the issue, a movie theater, and a meat thermometer going into a neck. um, Safety always supersedes etiquette, but at the same time. I think there's a, a certain le- level of insertion that can happen that is uh, funny and appropriate. I, I can think of many of ladies room, like conversation that you just decide to bust in on when you're hearing two other people talking and you're like, I'm sorry, I'm in here too. And I just can't help but give my two cents or throw it in and Some people laugh and you make a new friend for 30 seconds. Other people are like, who the hell are you? And off you go, you know? So it's, it's just risky, but it, in general, people don't love it, but it can, it can be bonding too. I mean, it happens like at airports and on trains and stuff like that. Like you bond over weird things with strangers, you know, even at lunch counters,
1: yeah, the planes are big, like yelling yeah. at the flight attendant like they don't want to go home. Like it, uh, There was just one day oh, when we landed God. and we had to wait on the tarmac for like an hour, hour and a half. I don't know. But it was like, you don't think these people, they're at work. You think they want to yeah. sit here? What the fuck? Like, I was just mad at the way people were screaming at these people that were just, had to do their job. I mean, it's giant planes. We're in COVID. There was a labor shortage. It was just like, I just couldn't believe people's behaviors on flights. But, okay. sneezes and farts why are they viewed differently in society Um, (laughs) why can't you fart
0: but to me, it's because it smells, right? That's like, I think that's a big part of it. Um, in, in general, the, the yeah, gas that's that's coming coming out as a fart definitely has more of a, I think, potential to gross people out than a burp or a sneeze, um, even though burps and sneezes can still, you know, launch things, um, which I think is another part like gross part of it. But for the most part, with etiquette, we try not to gross each other out. And so far, our society still really views farting as gross um and yawning is fairly rude even though a lot of people do it if you're not covering your mouth or saying oh excuse me like some people can get r- really really offended by yawning yeah They i'm personal. not in that camp by the way because it happens to me all the time and so i'm like i'm like no no don't like don't persecute people for yawning it's involuntary damn it <laughs>
1: yeah um yeah with farts it's just like yeah it's fucking gross um it smells bad you're ruining <laughs> it's, someone's it's- day
0: Yeah. And, you know, do, do what you can to control it. Excuse yourself to a restroom or outside or even just another room. If you know that it's going to be a bomb. Ah. Um, Elbows on table. That's old school, right? Right now. So no, that's actually mistruth. Elbows can go on the table. My even we have got a great quote, uh, that we put into the book from Emily on elbows on the table. And she, she actually talks about it as like, if you're using it to gesture, if you're leaning forward and she goes into this little bit about how it creates such a beautiful figure for a woman. Um, We'll skip that for this generation, but um, that, leaning forward, being engaged, using your hands to talk that, that elbows on the table can actu- actually facilitate a lot of that. But what you don't want to be doing is using your elbows while you're eating. Number one, it can make it actually hard. You get like weirder <laughs> like little T-Rex arms going on if you're leaning and trying to cut. Um, but if you're like hunched over your food, shoveling it in, these aren't in. Eng- Engaging behaviors. They're not ways that make you look approachable and invested in the table around you. And so that's kind of where the, the elbow thing comes from, but it's also fine to, to rest like the, your forearm on the table. That's another one, especially while you eat, some people do that. They're going to cool. be very happy about that. And like yeah. the other thing is like, don't like use your, el- like to hold your head up. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't want to look like you're tired, like at the table. So that, that would be the other one outside of eating where you wouldn't want elbows to be used that way.
1: Well, that reminded me of one of my own. Okay, I was really mad at someone recently because they told me something mean that someone said about me. And I was like, why are you telling me? Oh, I hate that. I got screenshots sent to me of like someone saying mean shit to me about me.
0: And I was just like, "Okay, how is this helpful? Was that your response? Like, how is this helping me? no like, i got
1: mad i was like fuck yeah. this and then i thought about it more and i'm like why are you showing me this like i could have yeah. lived my life not knowing this and had like a yeah. fake time with this person." it's wrong it's wrong to tell someone that something's when is it appropriate to be like someone mm. said this about you
0: i think it's really hard again you've got to gauge whether you think the person would want to hear it and be able to address whatever it is if if it's like crap being said on social media by like you know, someone who is in the audience at one of your shows or something like that. It's like, that's like, that's just the same kind of chatter that lives online all the time. I would not be screenshotting that and sending it to my friends. If it was something where like, I know you to be like really passionate about something, the thing that's being said about you is calling that into question. Instead, what I might do is ask you and say like, Hey, um, would you, would you want to know if, if something was being said about you on this type of a topic? Because I know sometimes who's going to say no. stuff off. So, well, I don't know. Cause like I've said no to that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, I really don't want to know what the comments say. Like, unless it's because I made a mistake and was rude or dismissive to a particular group of people that I need to learn from. No, I don't want to know what some asshole in whatever who's under this screen name is saying about me. I don't care. Um, So I think it, it does kind of depend on the situation. And if you can ask someone first before relaying it, that's good. But if I I tend to say like, don't go there. Like, don't send that kind of stuff to people. Don't don't try to stir up trouble if you don't need to, if there's not a really good reason for it. I, I think there are some things you'd want to know if people were saying it about you and other things that it's like pointless. And I think what's really hard is getting someone else to use your filter for that. So it's kind of like general rule, try to avoid sending people this kind of stuff. For your particular situation, I might talk with that friend about what you're willing to be exposed to in this department and what you're not. That way they can have a gauge because clearly they did not gauge this one correctly.
1: No. And the addition to that is if you find out like, oh, this person says something about you, but you can't you can't say anything. And it's like, ah, well, that's <laughs> now it's even because they don't want to get in trouble. But you just told me these horrific things. And now I have to be nice to this person. So I had to tell them, I'm like, I'm sorry if that breaks your confidence. But like, that's fucked up. And I'm going to say something. And yeah. I,
0: if I, you Well, know, at least you were honest about it. You know, you're like, like no, listen, I can't thing. keep that secret. Like, I can't keep that a secret. I, no. That's that's a big thing. Yeah, um,
1: other just um, I think this is the last one. No. Um, rip a piece of bread and then butter it or butter <laughs> the
0: whole piece of bread. So at Emily Post, we do go by the rip, a, rip a bite sized piece off, butter it and then eat that piece and then rip another or rip like two or three pieces and then butter them one at a time as you eat them. You know, can you dip the bu- I, I'm a dip? I dip the butter.
1: I dip the bread if in the butter. If you
0: have if you have your own butter, you can dip. But if and. Right. And I like I remember being really grossed out one night when my mom's friend was she was dipping the bread into the butter and then dipping the whole piece of bread and butter into the salt and then eating that. But she wasn't only eating that one bite. She was taking a bite from the bite she tore off and then doing it again. So it was double dipping and it was to the butter and the salt. And I I just remember this is like a woman who's so classy and like was brought up like super proper. And I was just like, that's just nasty. I'm not dealing like that. I'm not eating that butter anymore. So if it's your own, go for it. If it's the communal dish, I think it's a little more questionable. I would, I would want to spoon some from the communal dish onto like my bread plate or something and then use it any way I want.
1: (laughs) So it's the ripping of the bread. That is beautiful. The
0: ripping's good. though. ripping's good. You don't want to make a butter sandwich at the table with other people on your own with family. Totally fine.
1: So that's all that I have for today. I have kept you here so long. This is so much fun, though. Thank you. (laughs) This was like a dream. I mean, there were certain friends when I told, they were like a gap. They were like, oh, my God. I just feel like Emily Post has been a part of our lives for a very long time.
0: Oh, that means so much to me. And I don't know if it's the
1: Virgo in me or not, but I like to read rules. And um, so I spent a lot of time on the website.
0: Um, Ah, yay! We're going to have to get you a copy of the 20th when it comes yes. out. Yes, No, this was
1: huge <laughs> for me. But do you want to give me like, maybe your favorite rules, misconceptions, or like what thing people always get wrong or what Emily, like your yeah. f- final kind of thoughts. And then um if you'd like to just tell everyone your podcast info, the book info, okay. or where to like find you and the higher etiquette
0: book and all of that stuff. I think some of the, the really common misconceptions about etiquette are, are one that it's dead. Every, every year people like to declare that etiquette and civility are dead in our culture. And it's just couldn't be further from the truth. It, it might feel, and it is like we are truly divided right now in so many ways that is real, but etiquette, when it comes to consideration, respect, and honesty can still play such a great part in our lives and manners, things like handshakes, things like even just setting the table for a dinner uh, can be the kinds of things that we can lean into to help us navigate that great divide, because we actually have um, expectations of one another and commonalities in, in our behavior and how we interact publicly that can help us get through all of this discord that we're feeling right now. And I think that it's really important to recognize that even if it's within your own family, that To the best of your ability, you can use good conversation skills, good host and guest skills to be able to navigate some of these really awkward situations well together, especially when you're really keeping that consideration, respect, and honesty at the forefront of your brain. I think it can be really hard when other people aren't behaving well and you are trying and I really want to encourage people to take the etiquette high road whenever they can. And that's not so that you can stick your chin in the air and feel like you are up on your high horse, but it's so that you can feel really good about your own behavior and how you're participating in situations, even when other people not might not be participating well. And again, that's not to fluff you up. It's to simply give you an access point to, to kind of stay to your own true etiquette north <laughs> um, as you're navigating these situations. So, um, I really hope that, that more people can, can lean into etiquette as not just something from the past, not just something that's exclusive or elusive, but instead lean into it as something that's really accessible. And even when you've had a really bad day, you can take a deep breath and say, wait a second. I know that It's not my partner's fault that I had this bad day or it's not the dog's fault that I had this bad day. I can still treat the people around me with consideration, respect, and honesty. That is beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> I hope so. I hope, you know, we're trying to help make the well, world a kinder it's,
1: place. <laughs> I think it's a big misconception. I think the view yeah. of etiquette is exclusionary, yeah. snobby, dinner party oh, yeah. vibes. And I think the way that you've described it and the way that even, you know, that Emily did is that it is to make people feel comfortable. It is to yeah. give kindness and not use it as a place of judgment, but to like have people be seen and feel comfortable. So
0: yeah. And to I feel confident, you know, to feel confident in your behavior. Like, I, I know if we were meeting in person, that it, it would be a good thing for me to stick out my hand for that handshake and to either reintroduce myself or tell you how pleased I am to meet you. And the more we can have those little moments where we feel confident in executing a certain behavior or action, I think um, the easier it is to socialize, the easier it is to engage. And we all need that so much after these last two years. I mean, we really it is it is going to be one of the ways that we heal is by coming together and actually interacting. Tell everyone where they can find you and more information they can visit us at emilypost.com where we have all kinds of articles on etiquette. I'm so glad you spent time (laughs) hanging out on our website. And then we also have a weekly Q and a podcast called awesome etiquette that comes out on Mondays. And that's a, that's a really fun show. You get a lot of, a lot of questions pertaining to life today. When the pandemic hit, it was like all wedding pandemic etiquette and everything. (laughs) Um, but it's really fun to hear what other people ask about. And we always end that show with an etiquette salute where you hear people sharing stories of good behavior that they've seen. So you kind of get to go out pumped up on a high note, which I really love.
1: And what is the number one question you feel like that you're like, that's asked the most?
0: Oh my gosh. We get on our website. It's often, um, I think email correspondence is one of the things we get asked about the most. Yeah. And then uh, actually harder is our hard times. How do you send a condolence note? How do you engage when someone has passed away? And given that we've just had over a million deaths in our country. I think that it's a really pertinent topic and that really helping people through grief and how to express grief and how to manage what to say, what not to say. Those are those are really important moments to get it right. I would <laughs> love all of the people that ask you questions to look at the way I email because it is out of control. <laughs> your email i felt like it was good but did
1: i i, I dm'd you and then you, trish has been doing and the then emails. we
0: emailed yeah 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 it's
1: been trish. <laughs> i work with a partner on my other podcasts and there was an oh, cool. issue with a deal with one of the live shows and i did the email to the agent and she was like wow so casual and i'm like yeah i don't give a fuck <laughs> i'm like i have to ask this and like i don't think people look to me to have professional emails so no, this yeah. is who i am so i don't need to do that but she was like very because she does all the emailing and she's very proper. Totally. The sweet commenter was like, wow, just so cash. I'm like, yes.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> I don't want, I also freaked out at work. Yeah. Life is hard
0: and we want to make sure we like uh, make people feel good. I don't know. Absolutely. And what's 100%. the name of the podcast? Oh, so the podcast is Awesome Etiquette. And you can also find us on all the standard social channels, usually under the Emily Post Institute or Emily Post, something like that. Yeah,
1: I can't <laughs> believe you're actually the Post lineage, because when I saw your handle, I would never actually even connected that this is like a family and a real person. Oh, and like, totally. <laughs> I thought it was um, a stage name, uh, kind of. So that, and then Higher Etiquette is out. That is a book that is out.
0: That is higher etiquette came out in 2019. Um, it's a, a wonderful guide to the the world of legalized cannabis, and honestly, so much fun to write, so much fun to be a part of. Um, was really, really as a long time stoner, I was really glad for that opportunity, um, and really excited for people to experience the the hundredth anniversary edition, the centennial edition that's coming out this fall of Emily Post's etiquette, and that is a complete rewrite for the first time since Emily actually wrote the book book. So really? Um, wow. Yeah, it was definitely t- time for a rewrite. And um, and we were really excited to do it. And ironically, we ended up putting more of original Emily post back into this book. Um, from like a historical and reference standpoint than we've ever been able to do before. So it was really exciting to to give it a fresh look and a fresh feel.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Because it's like now there's the, like Instagram likes or if oh, you yeah. share or where <laughs> are you posted the, someone's birthday. Like, I have to think about these things. I'm like, well, I posted this person on Maine. This person's going to be mad if it's a story, but it's too right? big. And I'm like, what are we even doing here? Um, <laughs> like the internet is not real, but it totally is. And yes, we all live in it. (laughs) Yeah, This was incredible. Thank you so much. I hope I get to see you when I'm in Vermont.
0: Oh, I would love that. Please definitely reach out when you come. And I, I hope I get to catch one of your shows sometime because that would be really amazing lizzie thank you so much thank you i really appreciate it and anytime this was like such a blast i, I love this thank interview you. Okay, good. <laughs> like so makes- much fun to talk about the really sticky awkward shit yay bye guys take care
1: all right that episode is over i know you fucking loved it please dm me please write comments please like let me know how you feel what you've learned how are things different And truly, this is like a pet project from my heart. This enemy is podcast and it, I don't know, not a pet project. That means like it's not real and there's like I wasn't doing anything, but it's like something I'm really passionate about. And I just feel, can I say grateful again? This is so embarrassing, but I just feel so happy anytime any of you message me with a compliment to our guests or to me or follow Lizzie Post, tell me what you think. I felt like that was an incredible episode, if I do say so myself. Good, good motherfuckers. Enemies is a HeadGum podcast. Trish Hadley is our executive producer, engineer, and editor. Katie Moose is our supervising producer from HeadGum. Me, Lisa Traeger. I am also a producer. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You're incredible. Jack Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram at either at Glitter Cheese or at Enemies Podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing podcast at gmail.com or calling 323-677-1943. That was a hate film, podcast.